Welcome to Matters of Fact. I'm Christian Esguera. Today, the show will talk about the raging COVID-19 infections, which, by Malacanang's own admission, are nearing the peak recorded here in the Philippines in August last year. But just recently, President Duterte appeared to be downplaying this health crisis yet again, even if cases are projected to hit up to 11,000 daily if the current trend continues. We'll also talk about Philippine National Police Chief De Bolsinas, who allegedly violated health protocols during the visit to Oriental Mindoro, the same day it was later announced that he had tested positive for COVID-19. Last year, Sinas held a birthday party while Metro Manila was in the middle of a strict pandemic lockdown. Then we'll sit down with a human rights lawyer on a planned Supreme Court resolution requiring law enforcers to wear body cams during the service of warrants. Now, will this be enough to prevent abuse? We are now joined by Dr. Maricar Limpin. She's the uh, Vice President of the Philippine College of Physicians. She's also a member of the Health Professionals Alliance Against COVID-19. Good morning, Dr. Limpin, and thank you for joining us on the program again. Good morning, uh, Christian, and to everyone. Okay, let's talk about this latest surge in COVID-19 cases in the Philippines. By Malacanang's own ambition, uh, the, the cases are nearing the peak that was recorded uh, in August last year. But we know that people are getting tired. They're experiencing what others described as COVID fatigue. So what more can we do while also trying to balance the other facets, including in particular the economy? Yeah, uh, I think that uh, we have to realize no, that the responsibility really first and foremost fall on us, each individual uh, citizen, each individual Filipinos. So it is upon us to make sure that we will be able to help prevent no, the, tr the uh, easy transmission of COVID-19. And very important at this is for us to strictly adhere to the minimum health protocols, the wearing of face masks, the wearing of face shields, and also maintaining physical distancing. And then making sure that wherever we go, I hope that we will be able also to ensure proper uh, ventilation, air circulation, because these are four important things that we need to always adhere to and follow to. Now, uh, we would like also for all local government units to maybe institute similar standard measurements. Hindi yung iba-iba uh, whenever we go to from one LGU to another. No? So dapat kailangan pare-parehas ang institution ng mga uh, implementation ng mga health protocols na ito. Huwag ho tayo magsasawa kasi pag tayo po ang magsawa, tayo po ang talo. Okay, but but, uh, but when you talk about let's say this uh, this uh, measures that are supposed to be implemented by the local government units, um, are we talking here of uh, granular lockdowns, for instance, and of course uh, certain refinements in certain facilities? But how about the idea of going back to a community-wide or let's say uh, city-wide lockdowns? Is this out of the question? And are you is your group perhaps? Uh, proposing or open to the idea of, let's say, doing another timeout that was uh, implemented last year? Yes, uh, the group is not uh, considering calling for a timeout 
or even calling for a citywide or uh, the whole metro Manila-wide uh, community lockdown. No, uh, but we can probably uh, agree. We agree to granular lockdowns, which are actually being done already in certain communities where the cases of COVID-19 has really, you know, risen up uh, in the past few weeks. So I think what uh, Quezon City is doing, as well as the Manila City, uh, they are doing what well as far as the granular lockdown is concerned. But as for the citywide, no, we're not going to do that. And that is why we keep on calling no, the people to adhere to the minimum health protocols. Kailangan ho natin gawin ito. We cannot do otherwise. no. And hindi, we cannot get tired of doing this. We cannot afford to uh, have such a thing as COVID fatigue. Nakita natin, when we do that, when we relax, then now we see sudden increase again in COVID-19 cases. And this is primarily because we have not been adhering to the minimum health protocols, most especially no, in the use of transportation. We see a lot of people, they're not, it's no longer one space apart. No one space apart na lang ang ating minimum dyan, and yet it is not being followed. And that is why we would probably, uh, what we would like to recommend is reduce the capacity of all transportation. So we are doing it at 50%, they are saying, but uh, we know that it is not being followed. So maybe we reduce it to 30% and maybe uh, 50% will be followed. No, So I think uh, better to reduce the capacity so that that we can ensure uh, physical distancing and may we also request the business community to start scheduling the uh, the work time of their employees. No, we cannot afford to have all people going out of the their homes, going out to the streets all at the same time because that is actually what our problem uh, it has been for the past few months no so many people going out going to their uh, to their jobs and they're doing it at the same time so can we schedule it in on a stock basis so that not everybody will will be out in the street congesting the transportation congesting our roads no so that it will also make travel time a lot faster uh, and also that can also be seen as a way to decongest the workplaces themselves right right okay now speaking of the latest surge that we are seeing how serious really uh, are the cases or the numbers that we are seeing lately compared to the uh, spikes that we saw last year well uh, it is becoming serious because uh, the hospitals are being congested no the emergency room the hospital beds all covid and we are also catering to non-covid cases no so uh lahat yan, sabay -sabay yan, christian no and uh a lot of the healthcare workers are also getting sick and therefore um yeah, of course, we are quite worried that we might not be able to sustain what we are doing right now. But we are trying our best. No, we are giving everything that we can. No, at least we know for us healthcare workers, we are very prepared. We know what we are going to do now. Unlike last year, no, we don't know anything. But 
now we know already we know what to give to our patients and how to take care of the patients now the only problem will be the number of patients that will be coming in so i hope that we will be able to contain this increase in covid 19 cases i hope we don't reach that 8000 in a day or even that 20000 by april uh that will be too much for the health system if that happens mm -hmm. then definitely the health system is going to back down okay we know that public or government uh, government messaging is as important as the other approaches to this uh, to this uh, health crisis uh, of course it is very serious but how do you basically convince a public to to go back to what they were supposed to do to what we are supposed to do given the fact that uh, we've been into this uh, pandemic uh, for more than a year and it seems like uh, we're back to square one I mean in terms of messaging how should it go especially in light of a latest pronouncement coming from the president who seemed to downplay the health crisis. His words were, we can beat COVID-19. This is a small thing in our lives. That can be interpreted in different ways, right? But do you think this could also complicate the important facet of messaging during the pandemic? Well, definitely, no. I do not want to... Uh, that is definitely uh, something that we need to hope for, what the president said, that we can beat COVID, but we cannot... I think we need to say that we cannot beat COVID unless all of us will help together, adhere to the minimum health protocols, make sure that we maintain our physical distancing, because if we don't do this, then definitely we will lose in this battle. Okay. But on the ground, uh, for instance, in the hospital that you're working for, uh, how serious is the situation lately? I and Dami Christian <laughs> uh, were full, really full. The ICU is full. Uh, the uh, regular rooms are full. The emergency room was full, and uh, nakapila yung mga pasyente, no? So, but we are. I am working in a government hospital, so we cannot really turn away our patients. So uh, we just have to accept them, especially since most of our patients are the patients with comorbids, no? They, these are patients with heart disease, with lung ailments, with cancer, no? So uh, we are catering to this type of patients, and that is why we see, you know, uh, serious cases of COVID-19. And maybe, you know, people do not realize this because they probably didn't, do not feel the effect of COVID-19. They have not been uh, affected by this disease. Probably they don't have any relatives or any friends who got COVID, no? And probably if uh, they have friends who got COVID, COVID probably it's really mild. No, mm. but you know, if you have uh, one, just one uh, relative or one uh, friend who got COVID and had COVID, severe COVID, then you will realize the impact because COVID-19 is not really an easy disease to deal with. There are so many things that we are still unknown. It's just good that we are already prepared by this time. We know already something, but. Uh, there are still a lot to know about COVID-19. And I hope that each and every one of us will realize the importance of making sure that we, all of us individual Filipinos, adhere to the minimum health protocols. If you have nothing to do at home or nothing to do at uh, uh, outside. outside, please 
Do not go out of your home. There is nothing necessary for you in going out. So just stay home. Better to be safe than sick. Okay. Dr. Maricar Limpin, thank you for joining us this morning. Filipinasio Police Chief De Sinas is once again accused of violating health protocols, this time during his visit to Calapan City last week. The provincial government of Oriental Mindoro said Sinas did not pass through the city's pier for a health clearance. Instead, he arrived by helicopter and uh, proceeded to the regional police headquarters. Last year, Sinas was heavily criticized for holding a birthday party in the middle of a strict pandemic lockdown, which he was supposed to implement as regional police director of Metro Manila. Joining us now is Oriental Mindoro Governor Homerlito Dolor. Good morning, sir, and thank you for joining us on the program. Good morning, Christian. Good morning to our uh, kababayan. Okay, uh, just for the record, uh, what were the findings of your uh, government, of the provincial government of Oriental Mindoro? Did PNP Chief De Bolsinas violate health protocols? Um, sir, let me clarify that according to the latest executive order, which I issued uh, dated March 3, that's executive order number 3, uh, we delimited the functions of the provincial government and the city government. It's very clear that apples or travelers coming from outside of Oriental Mindoro who will enter uh, any ports of entry uh, from Puerto Galera to Calapan to Bulalacau, they have to go this process. Uh, if they are going to the 14 municipalities, it's the provincial government that will facilitate the profiling and the filling up of the health declaration form upon the entry at Calapan port. However, if the upper traveler is going to uh, Calapan City, but the LG destination is Calapan City. It's the city government that is in charge in the health profiling and in the filling up of the uh, health declaration form. In the case of Benzina, he did not enter Calapan City. I understand because he, he used uh, the chopper because he was supposed to go to another province after Oriental Mindoro. Let me clarify also that let me clarify that Oriental Mindoro Provincial Government is not informed by the visit of uh, General China. However, according to the CNC, they directly coordinated with the city government of Calapan. Therefore, the uh, provincial government in any way is not uh, part of the uh, welcoming party or of the processing of the entry of General Sinas. However, however, the city government uh, is the one that is in charge of uh, the arrival. So, I cannot uh, determine personally and especially uh, whether uh, General Sinas uh, is directly responsible. However, the city government uh, will say or saying that he did not pass through the uh, screening process of the city government or did not do coordination, then he, could be, uh, he should be held responsible. However, if he did it, meaning he made coordination to his uh, staff with the regional office, then it's a different matter, uh, the question. Okay, um, uh, I, was, I was missing certain parts of your statement uh, because of uh, poor audio. But basically, just for the record, was uh, did he undergo health profiling at the uh, city government or not? According to the city uh, government official post, uh, he did not. He did uh, not. Because, of, because our port, our uh, airport, it's a very... It's not a regular airport where we usually have uh, people, meaning 
it's not used regularly. The Kalapan Airport is just used uh, for private uh, visits uh, for a chopper. Uh, for regular airlines, uh, we have no regular trips there to Kalapan Falls. So the provincial city government don't have uh, personnel stationed at the, at the port. So the coordination must be very specific. Uh, meaning, okay. today is their arrival. They have to coordinate prior to the city government. They said, according to them, that they coordinated with the CAAP. But but when you say but when you say coordination, what exactly do you mean? What were they supposed to do if they didn't go through the health protocols or profiling by the city government, but instead they, they coordinated? What were they What were they, they expected to do? They, they, that is supposed to be the function of the city government to do the profiling of anybody who arrives, anybody who arrives, and the destination is Kalapan City. Mm. Kalapan City. But the, the city government is the one that is that, that can officially issue the statement because I cannot speak for the city government. Yeah. If it is the provincial government's uh, task, meaning if they enter to the Kalapan City port, then the provincial government will have a say. But since they did not pass through, and that the, the destination LG is only Kalapan City, it's Kalapan City's uh, task to do the profiling. Oh, prepare for matter of application, after the uh, first day of uh, the arrival, I am not informed officially of the itinerary, of the itinerary. However, I learned in the afternoon uh, with the news that the vaccination rollout was done in the TNP. So for me, that's a very good, uh, that's a very good uh, gesture that they have already started it uh, in partnership with the uh, uh, health unit of the regional police Maropa and they seek the assistance of the provincial health office or the administration because that's what we do oh. as far as the entry is concerned. But, 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 I, but uh, when you talk about ano, a governor, when you talk about coordination, what is a person supposed to do? Let's say he skipped the, the health profiling in the city. As a matter of procedure, when you say coordinate, what was he supposed to present, for instance? The entry, according to the resolution 101 of the IATF, there is uh, no longer required now to have the medical certificate and travel authority. So they just have to do the health profiling. So they are supposed to be arriving, fill up the declaration form, show proof that they are on official travel, assessment physically, and then after that, when there, there's no symptoms, then they can go. If there, there, there are symptoms, then they should be isolated or there's need for medical attention, then it will be given to them. So that is supposed to be done. Mm. Now in this case, uh, has this is the, lo the the local government or the provincial uh, government completed the contact tracing of those people who came in close contact with uh, with General Sinas during that visit? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. That's the most important thing. But my provincial director is one of those who had close contact, and he's scheduled today to have his swab swab test because it's already five days after uh, the unfortunate incident happened from uh, day one that he stopped. Wednesday night and Friday and Saturday we finished the contact tracing and uh, all of them were advised since Thursday night to do quarantine and then after that uh, after five they scheduled to have their swab. How uh, many how many people how many people were covered by that contact tracing? The exact number uh, I am not uh, I am not uh, very familiar with the exact number but those are direct contact meaning uh, they have a face-to-face -face more than 15 minutes 
they're basically employing the PNP personnel. Okay. Now, uh, given this experience with General Sinas, what uh, what gaps did you identify and how do you address them? Because it seems like, uh, based on what happened here, certain people could skip that particular health protocol by the city government. How do you fix that? Sir, it only happened when they used the chopper, when they used the airport. And there's only one airport that we have in Oriental Midoro. Uh, that is functional. Although we have one in Ilang Malayan, uh, but it's not usually used. Lesson learned, TAAP must be addressed also, meaning even TAAP will be given a directive, not only for Calapan, but for Pinamalian effort also, that once there is a coordination to them that there is somebody who is going to pass through, it must be coordinated directly to the provincial health office and to the city health office. If in case of Calapan, in case of other municipalities which have the... Uh, um, Airport, while we don't consider that uh, functional airport, but still used for them when uh, the choppers arriving in Oriental Doro, to directly inform the provincial health office so we can send our personnel on the date of arrival for the health profiling. Okay, but that didn't happen in the case of uh, General Sinas. Yeah, this didn't happen. The staff did not inform the provincial government for that matter. Okay, but is that uh, an, uh, an exis existing rule? Not yet, because before, we have no experience of people passing through the airport. We have only experienced, uh, we have only experienced the passing through the sea, seaports or the boundaries at uh, Milagrosa and Bilalakao. So this is the first time that this we have a But as far as I can remember, that uh, pass through the airport should be not holding it. There was a time when there was uh, an arrival, but that arrival is directly coordinated to us. Okay. For the health profiling. So, in the case of the provincial government, can't you say that uh, there was a violation on the part of the of the PNP chief? Again, again you're not speaking for the Calapata, Calapan City government, but as far as the provincial government was concerned, was there a breach? As I was saying, if there is really no coordination made to the city government upon the arrival, then it should be considered a breach of health policy. Okay. And is there also, uh, I mean, this is a, a basic concern for, uh, for people who are uh, looking into this uh, incident because we know that this was not the first time that the PNP chief was uh, embroiled in such a controversy. Last year, we know what happened, the birthday party that, uh, that he held in the middle of a pandemic lockdown. Uh, the, the current uh, issue that we're talking about here, there's still this concern that he might go scot-free and that uh, perhaps the provincial government or the local government officials might be being too careful in terms of handling this case because of his VIP status, because he is the PNP chief. How do you respond to this? I don't think so, sir. I don't think so. After all, um, local officials, government officials, national government officials, are all the same. We're ordinary people. just so happen that we're given more responsibility than the rest of the population. For me, there is no such thing as a VIP person. No, no VIP treatment for anybody has violated the law. He violated the law. He should be held responsible. I uh, personally, sir, I am not, I am not uh, concerned whether he's the chief of uh, PNP or whether chief of military or whether he's government official. So as long as the, the person of the uh, investigation, found okay. he should be held liable. Okay, but so if not, then oh. we should not give prejudice. We should not be prejudiced. If not, we should not be prejudiced on any particular case. 
Okay, so finally, Governor Dolor, uh, can we expect uh, a set of official findings into this incident in the coming days or weeks? Just to provide closure as to what happened. Definitely, sir. We're just waiting for the official investigation report uh, from the local government concerned, from the PNP, and from the other concerned. And even with a statement. And if evidence warrants, uh, are you willing to file a case against the PNP chief? If there is. Okay, Governor Dolor, thank you for joining us this morning, sir. Thank you very much. Good morning. The Philippine Supreme Court is considering to require police officers to wear body cameras when serving warrants. Lawyers have been urging the High Court to be more proactive in addressing the alleged human rights abuses committed by law enforcers, especially after the so-called Bloody Sunday police raids where nine activists in the Calabarazon region were killed. Attorney Ray Cortez now joins us for more on this. He's the Secretary General of the National Union of People's Lawyers. Good morning, sir, and thank you for joining us on the program. Good morning, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, uh, good morning, Christian. Okay. Uh, yes, yes, Christian, good morning. Ano magandang umaga sa inyo lahat. Okay, I suppose this is a welcome development, this, uh, this pronouncement coming from the Supreme Court, that a resolution might be or is likely forthcoming um, that would require law enforcers to wear body cams. Now, as a human rights lawyer, as a member of the NUPL, uh, what would you like to see? Uh, in this resolution that would require law enforcers to wear body cams? Well, as you said, it's a welcome development, Christian, uh, coming as it does from the Supreme Court, and they made the initiative to uh, uh, to issue a resolution on that matter. Uh, but of course, uh, this is a complex issue. It's not uh, a very simple issue, and uh, wearing of uh, a body cam uh, will only solve a part of the problem. As you said, uh, what what NUPL wants is to, uh, the Supreme Court should include in its, uh, in its resolution uh, safeguards uh, in addition to just simply wearing body cams. Uh, we have to put this in context uh, based uh, on our experiences in uh, implementation of warrants because uh, law enforcers are really, really uh very creative in when they enforce uh, search warrants as like such like uh situation uh, it's not the usual operation that we see uh in all uh, implementations that we have encountered there are two stages in the implementation uh in the actual implementation first there is a first team that will barge in and uh to take into custody all occupants of the house. Tapos they were herded out outside or in, in one place of the house. Then the first search is conducted. Then a second phase is, uh, in the second state, a second team comes in. That's where the barangay, the barangay officials uh, comes in and a second search is conducted. And, and it's there uh, usually that they found uh, alleged uh, firearms and explosives. So it is in, the, in this context that we would like this uh, uh, this resolution should be viewed because if uh, the first team will not wear body cameras, hindi natin makikita yung mga planting of evidence at sa mga irregularities dun sa pagpasok pa lang. In fact, uh, usually they say they come in at 2.30 but in fact, 12 o'clock na sila. So these are the problems in the implementation plus the fact that uh, uh, in all uh, cases that we have encountered, yung mga required witnesses like the barangay officials 
comes in only after the first search was already conducted. But of course, Christian, we have also to consider that the implementation is just part of the whole process. We also have to consider um, the manner by which these uh, search warrants were issued. Kasi essential part yan eh, nung the whole process. At uh, especially this one, as reported by uh, the court Office of the Court Administration, Administrator, 63 search, wa uh, search warrant applications were filed in uh, March 1. Ano? Hmm. And the 63 applications were raffled off to the executive judge and the three executive judges. Roughly a uh, minimum of 15 each judge. And they had a hearing in two days. They resolved everything in two days. Sa mga lawyers that uh, are engaged in litigation, we know for a fact that uh, one hour is not sufficient to uh, finish uh, an examination of witness. Especially that the Constitution provides strict uh, guidelines on the issuance of warrant. Yung uh, probable cause personally considered uh, considered by the judge ay uh, nire-require yan ng probing questions. And probing questions requires na you will have to determine the credibility of the witness. Mm. Not only yung perfunctory questions. Hindi, hindi ito isang subpoena that you can issue as a matter of fact, as a, as a matter of procedure. This is a, uh, uh, a process you issue that will authorize uh, law enforcers to intrude into the privacy of individuals, which is a uh, an exception to the constitutional right to privacy. Mm. So yung, yung strict measures should be considered and yung uh, probing questions na sinasabi sa constitution should be uh, uh, implemented strictly by uh, the hearing judge. Hindi ito pwedeng ano lang, uh, automatic lang to consider the judicial affidavits, mm -hmm. ask uh, leading questions. Um, is, this, is, this, is this what you're seeing? Is this what you saw in the, in the, uh, in the grant of those uh, warrants? Perfunctory. Uh, we, Yes. Uh, there, uh, if you if you remember uh, last week, two warrants were quashed, you know, yeah. issued in Quezon City, and and similar, you know, general warrants. For example, the one in Bacolod, uh, hindi specify yung place to be searched. Because uh, hindi naman sinabi dun sa application na yung 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 address na yon ay compound where several uh, uh, residential uh, residential houses are located. And that uh, the respondent occupies only one among the several residential units. Mm. Ngayon, kung kung may probing questions, dapat lumabas yon. Mm. Lumabas yon na yung address na yon ay uh, maraming mga bahay. Yeah. And we also have one right now, ano? Yeah. Uh, pending before the Court of Appeals, and of course, yung kwasal sa sa Mandaluyong. So. Uh, Two days, uh, 15 each, I think is not sufficient no. to and, uh, conduct uh, improving questions. And, and I think it's important for the public to understand that even if you have remedies to, let's say, question the, the actual search warrants, right? Kung to, to exact accountability on the part of the law enforcers, what would happen kung patay na, di ba? Kung baga, nangyari na yung iniiwasan. Oh, may violation na ng constitutional rights, patay na yan, o kaya nakakulong na yan. Uh, ano ano pa yung ano pa yung remedies na yon kumbaga may may injury na dun sa tao na involved uh, while uh, merong ang available remedies mm -hmm. pero meron ang ano uh, 
uh, prejudice na yung karapatan ano nung tao na involved. Mm. Now let's talk about that uh, that uh, Supreme Court circular that basically allowed um, executive judges in Manila and Quezon City to issue warrants uh, even outside their jurisdictions and how exactly this has uh, somehow worked against the interests of uh, certain people who were the subject of those warrants. Uh, specific yung kung ano yung mga pwedeng uh, i-apply ano dito sa two executive judges ng RTC of Manila and RTC Quezon City uh, drugs, firearms at saka mga heinous crimes na nakalagay doon. Uh, of course, ang mahirap dito for example, the one issued in uh, for Tumandok. Uh, uh, yung mga witnesses had to be uh, ililipat dito sa Manila. And how can the judge ensure na uh, tama nga, ano, na yung mga nakalagay doon sa kanilang affidavit, especially if he's not familiar with the place. Mm. At uh, hindi rin siya familiar talaga doon sa uh, sinasabi nilang mga respondents. Kasi if you, if you, if you look at it, uh, if you look at the search warrants that were issued, usually, uh, ano yan, firearms. At uh, uh, you know, uh, gun running, etc. Pero when they implemented, they said, ito mga communist terrorist groups. Mm. So, uh, napakahirap siguro no, na isang executive judge sa Metro Manila to issue uh, search warrant to be implemented, let's say, in Iloilo, in Bacolod, or elsewhere, uh, simply because uh, it's very uh, difficult or impossible for them to, to really determine yung okay. uh, factuality you know, ng mga okay. allegations doon sa, sa, mga, sa mga applications. Okay. Attorney Ray Cortez, thank you for joining us this morning, sir. Thank you. Uh, at uh, magandang umaga. And that's it for our show today. I'm Christian Esguera. You can listen to our interviews again on the Matters of Fact podcast available in Spotify, Google, Apple, and Stitcher. You can also get exclusive content of ANC's uh, YouTube channel. Thanks for watching.